here we go again. Back to the issue, the general concept that was a part of the launching of the organization I now work for, Save Family Farming. Good morning to you. I'm Dylan Honkoop here on KGMI News Talk 790. The issue is an idea that you know, to the uninformed sounds like, well, why wouldn't you do this? This this must protect the environment. This must help fish. This has to be good for our communities. Ultimately, I think it is exactly the opposite of that. I think it's harmful to the environment, in fact. And when I explain to you what this is, at first you're going to say, huh? But stick with me here. Uh, I, I think, you know, as we look at this, um, the evidence will bear out the fact that, that what the governor's office is proposing uh, will be bad for the environment, bad for our communities, bad for local food and farming. Joining me uh, this morning to talk about this issue is Jay Gordon uh, with the Washington State Dairy Federation. Good morning to you, Jay. And what we're talking about is this idea that there must be riparian zones of a set uh, cookie cutter size um, basically mandate ma- mandatory buffers as they're called um, big dumb buffers as some people like to, to call them which is a- not just a- a- an indication of the frustration around this issue but it is accurate they're big and they're dumb meaning they're not tailored to a specific situation and they're a huge challenge for the future of farming particularly in western washington because they gobble up all kinds of productive farmland jay what what's the latest from the governor's office i thought you know we were past this idea where people started to realize a one-size-fits-all solution here isn't right yeah so we're uh, very concerned that we're heading back into what would be the third time we've had this argument in the last 30 years uh, with the governor's office, the salmon team, the pick your whoever we've been, you know, arguing with off and on again for 30 years. And like you said, we were hoping we were kind of past that. We were really having conversations and have been having conversations around the state on tailored incentive, uh, you know, really specific buffers with a number of different programs that have been in place and, we thought been working fairly well the last several years. Of course, the headline that people have been seeing is Governor Jay Inslee unveils a $187 million plan for salmon habitat recovery. That was uh, front page of the Bellingham Herald on Thursday and, you know, headlines across the state and beyond for this. You know, it's a mixed bag. Some of the things that are, are in this big salmon package, but one of them that immediately raise the ire of folks like myself and you, Jay, is this idea of mandatory buffers. What do we know so far? I understand there's still some blanks to be filled in, but what is likely, uh, the governor likely going to be proposing here in this this big package? Well, you know, the first part of this is, is, is you know, our, our concern that the governor's office apparently referenced in the discussion that they've been having these conversations with the tribes for the last year and a half or two years. And the frustrating part is, is nobody's talked to us. 
we had one small heads up uh, about almost a year ago from the governor's office that they were talking about riparian and buffers and salmon habitat. It was a five-minute briefing with no specifics, and that was the last communication we had. <laughs> and that's not the way we do things in Washington, you know. You got landowners now that don't know exactly what is in the proposal, if it is, in fact, mandatory, which is what it smells like. And it is, in fact, uh, a full, what they call a full site potential tree height. And just for ease of understanding what that means is that's a tree that would grow in a certain location. And generally, there's exceptions. On the west side of the state, that's a Douglas fir. On the east side of the state, it's a black cottonwood tree. On the west side of the state, what Fish and Wildlife is saying and we're seeing potentially in this proposal is a 220-foot setback from every lake, river, stream, ditch, a 220-foot riparian zone that needs to be replanted. And that's 220 feet. So just to put that in context, that means if you own one side of the ditch, that's 26 acres every mile. If you own both sides of the ditch, that's 52 acres that would be, we don't know, required to be put back into riparian uh, ecosystem buffering, whatever. Um, that's that's just you I, know. I, I think it needs to be said. There's a lot of that that's been going on with the farming community involved of building buffers where they make sense, where yep. it doesn't take a whole bunch of farmland out of production. Yep. But this again, the, the problem here isn't the fact that there's buffers and habitat work to protect salmon. The problem is they're one size fits all and there it's a potentially a and again some blanks to fill in here yet on what's really going to come out of the governor's office and and what gets approved and what becomes law and all of that but if they're moving towards which it sounds like they are something that's totally unbending inflexible one size fits all i mean that's going to hit the smallest farms the hardest isn't it oh yeah well it'll hit you know Small farm, big farm, hobby farm, commercial farm, professional farm, doesn't matter. If you own a ditch two feet wide running down the side or through the middle of your farm, why do you need to have 440 feet of riparian trees planted Mm -hmm. to protect a two-foot-wide ditch that may be dry all summer long? There's there's plenty of science that says, no, you need a six-foot hedgerow on the south side of that ditch because hedgerows on the north side of the ditch don't shade anything. And and so, again, your point about, you know, a big dumb buffer of a one-size-fits-all. Granted, they've got some distinctions between eastern Washington and western Washington, but a, a, a ditch in the Skagit or a ditch or a small creek in, in the Chehalis or wherever doesn't need a 220-foot setback to protect it. And that's a good point. You know, it's so simple, but even I forget that when I'm I'm like 220 feet, that's a lot. Well, you double that up because a ditch has two sides. Mm -hmm. Um, That's almost a football field and a half uh, to to visualize that. that, Does that make sense? There may be some particular spots where that does make sense. But there's a lot of other scenarios where it doesn't make sense, depending on the kind of farming, the kind of landscape that we're talking about, the kind of stream. But this, you know, what they're pushing towards sounds like it won't really take 
almost any of that into consideration, not to mention the damage that it would cause. If, and I say, you know, it would hit the small, smallest farms the hardest. Well, of course it would affect all farms, but you, you get into some of these zones, especially in, in Western Washington, where there are a lot of, you know, 20 acre fields out there, 15 acre fields with ditches on either side. It's a family that farms it um, and maybe has for generations. They're there stewarding the land. This could eat up most of their farm. Absolutely. It, it, you know, farmers farm in floodplains by and large, you know, especially on the west side. Uh, gee, we got a little lesson in that a couple of weeks Absolute, ago. Absolutely. We? Yeah. A very <laughs> difficult know? one. Yeah. And, and, and why do you farm there? That's where the productive soils are. And you're, go back again to your point that there's been a lot of good programs the voluntary stewardship program, the conservation reserve enhancement program, the conservation districts, the farmers, the tribes in a lot of these watersheds. I've had great conversations and great uh, participation in these incentive-driven programs where the farmers, the tribes, the conservation districts sit down and go, you know, where's some important areas? Okay, this is important for salmon. You bet. Okay, well, let's find some, you know, federal and state dollars. You know, is it really good farmland? Well, it's, you know, some places it is and some places it isn't. Farmers don't want to be losing farmland and are glad to help in a lot of cases. And so those programs have been very successful in really customizing and identifying important places where that salmon habitat is critical or shading in the river or stabilizing the riverbank, which is in not only just the interest of farmers, but also the salmon, keeping that silt and sediment. I, I was just out on a massive erosion problem on the Sassip River, where just in the last month, we figured there's something like 3,000 truckloads of silt mm. have eroded out of the farmland in the Sassip and are now covering the bottom of the river and the bottom of Grays Harbor. That doesn't benefit anybody. That's not, benefit. Good. That's not good for fish. No, nor, nor losing prime farmland. And, <sighs> and so there's program there, and they're working. It's, it's good to see. It's an emergency, but it's good to see, far, you know, the, they've got con contractors out there going, oh, my gosh, and they're doing their best to stabilize that riverbank and prevent it from eroding and dumping more silt and sediment the riparian area on that farmland is gone. It's mm -hmm. eroded into the river. And so we're trying to fix that. And we've had great programs to help do that. And now we, you know, this is, this is unfortunate. It's sad. You know, I, what's crazy <laughs> to me is that you're saying that, you know, the, the stakeholders that would be more impacted by this kind of mandatory, potentially mandatory buffer plan by the state than anyone is the farming community and landowners and that there has been virtually no outreach about this specific idea proposal this uh, move by the governor to head down this road yet again and, and that's where it's like well you could say well it's sour grapes he hasn't consulted us yet but it it, it does need to be recognized that most of the land affected by this would be the farming community it's our land. We would have a small dog in the fight. Well, <laughs> a, a, a big dog in the fight. It's it's our land. And that's, yeah. That's and, and, and politically, I mean, it's not like there isn't a precedent of a very hot debate on this. So why would you ignore that? You, can, you There's a history. It's no mystery that this is a big sticking point for the farming community. Why would you suddenly be ignoring them on this issue? Don't know. 
Well, and and I'll take it one step further. And again, we're talking with Jay Gordon with the Washington State Dairy Federation about this renewed idea yet again. Now the governor's office, Governor Inslee, put putting forward a proposal that looks like it's headed down the road toward um, mandatory stream buffers. Again, the problem being mandatory, the problem being one size fits all, the problem not being that stream buffers, you know, they can happen. They can be a good thing. We can do this. We can work together collaboratively as communities, you know, farming community, tribes, state, uh, environmental advocates. We can work together to, to do this. But when it becomes a cookie cutter, slap it on, one size fits all rule, that's when the problem comes. That's what we're talking about here. The fact that they're going forward with this with no input, and there's a history of a sticking point here, absolutely maddening. It's sad because, you know, I've seen in the last 10 or 15 years just so many good collaborative efforts. Work with the Tulalip Tribe and the Snohomish County on the Sustainable Land Strategy. Work with a voluntary stewardship program. I'm repeating myself a little bit, but we have, we have done so many good things and established so many good partnerships that to... And I hope we're wrong. I hope that when we see the legislation and we see the rest of the, you know, we get to look behind the curtain that we've not been allowed to look behind or been offered to be part of. Maybe this is, you know, just more voluntary incentives and it, focused it, effort. Yeah, I it, hope. Is, I, isn't that basic, you know, win friends and influence people kind of stuff that if you want to get something done, you, you get people included in the conversation, especially if you know it's going to be a tricky issue for somebody. Get them in the conversation. Get talking with them. Understand what their concerns are. And maybe you can make something happen with them involved versus saying nothing, making no outreach, and suddenly saying, well, here's your new rules. Uh, yep. Good luck. It's totally yep. backwards, and, and it's set to create more political heartache for them and for everyone on top of the actual real-world heartache uh, of potentially shutting down farms. And here's my argument is you, you have small family farms. That's what people really love. You know, family farms of all sizes is what I'm all about, but people love that idea of a small family farm. If you make those go away, what happens to that land? Um, and that's something that we've talked a lot about here in Whatcom County with the proposed uh, water rights adjudication. You make it too difficult for people to continue farming um, for reasons that aren't beneficial in the first place. That farming goes away. It doesn't just, that land doesn't just fall into a vacuum. It, it is suddenly. Uh, far, far more likely to be urbanized, developed, paved over, whatever you want to call it. And that's, I mean, you could say, well, this is protecting those riparian areas. Okay, great. You, re you protect 440 feet, but what about the rest of the land when there's nobody left to farm it because they can't afford to do it anymore? It gets developed. You've got more impervious surface. You've got more urban pollution. You've got homes. You've got no local food production. How is that ultimately good for fish and the environment? It's not. And that's why I think ultimately the argument can be made that ideas like these are bad for the environment. We're, we're, and we're about out of time with Jay Gordon here with the Washington State Dairy Federation. But when you really look under under the hood, behind the curtain, whatever is going on there, what, what do you think is behind this obsession with mandatory buffers that don't account for almost anything? Two reasons. Sorry to be so cynical and jaded, but I've been around a long time and I've learned and heard more than my share on this topic. The first is attributed to a story I was told many, many years ago that 
there was an argument over what kind of a riparian buffer that was needed on the rivers. And it was a very simplistic argument. Word I heard is it occurred up in the Cascades in mid-90s. And some environmental groups and tribes and scientists and biologists were arguing 200 to 300 foot buffers were necessary for both fish and, and, and migratory corridors in the riparian area. Mm-hmm. And you had conservation districts and NRCS that were out working with the landowners going, you know, if we could get 35, the landowners just to do 35 feet, move their cows back, let us build a fence you know, give us shade to the rivers, you know, and it was a very simplistic argument and folks basically argued and fought. And somebody said, how about we split the difference and just go 150 to 180 feet. And then the scientists went, we can rationalize that. And so you got groups called that, that, that developed curves and models. And one was called a FEMAT curve. And it showed that you needed a three quarter site, potential tree height, which was 180 feet in Western Washington. And they went, voila, there it is. <laughs> They're, they're, they they basically rationalized the number that they wanted because mm-hmm. it was a, hey, let's just split the difference between 300 and zero. There's one. Number two, if you're sitting in an office somewhere and you're looking on Google Maps and you want to see if somebody's in compliance, you can now use Google Maps to measure, do you have a 150-foot buffer or mm-hmm. not? If you do not, you're bad. If you got 150 feet, you're good. You use a tape measure, and that's why we call them big, dumb buffers. It's a lot of reasons they're dumb. doesn't take into account the ecosystem. It doesn't take into account the rest of the wildlife that may need not that kind of riparian buffer. Swans, geese, and ducks really like our cornfields and our grass fields and our pastures. They don't want a 200-foot buffer. Yeah. You know, and so just as an example, sorry, I'm going to rant just a little bit. (laughs) I have a friend. She works for an organization that works to protect the trumpeter swan. And and one of her sayings, she gets very frustrated that everybody pays attention to salmon. We're the Northwest, and it's iconic. Okay. But her one of her statements is she likes to say there is life without an adipose fin. <laughs> there are other and species out there that there are, are environmentally significant. And, and right now, you know, four, five, six years ago, I think was the last survey that about half of all the world's trumpeter swans live in Whatcom County and Skagit County. Wow. About, about 12,000 of them. Wow. And most, and mostly they found out after the 1st of January, the last survey I saw, after the 1st of January, virtually all 12,000 of those swans, including up in British Columbia and the Abbotsford that got flooded, all of those swans live on dairy farm ground because it's got good fertility. It's got good grass. The swans seem to like the same corn and grass that cows do. And my friend is very concerned that if we lose dairy farms, or in this case, you have habitat that's planted for fish, that it will impact what her, yeah. or her favorite species, which is the trumpeter. And so, you know, it's not just as easy as saying we need this land for fish, when in fact we need this land so a family can make a living, pay their taxes, recruit the next generation to come farm, host the trumpeter swans or the snow geese that everybody likes to come see in the Skagit. And so it's not as easy as, oh, we just need this for fish. Wait a minute. There are other life species that do not have an adipose fin. I I love that saying. Jay Gordon uh, with the Washington State Dairy Federation with us on the Farming Show this morning. I'm Dylan Honkoop here 
on KGMI. Jay, thanks for your time this morning. We're out of time for now. We're going to keep a close eye on what uh, Jay Inslee uh, it does with this and what actually ends up being proposed, what the legislature does with this. There's a road ahead on this, but uh, we're, we've got to keep our eye on the ball. We appreciate the early heads up here. Hey, thank you. Glad to help. And we shall, we shall look for what comes next. Unfortunately, you got to learn it this way.